0: Hi, this is Dr. Kimberly Lennart, and you're listening to Incredible Life Creator Podcast. My guest today is Evan Knox. Evan Knox is the founder of Caffeine Marketing and and a small business investor. Caffeine Marketing makes profitable marketing easy for small companies. As an investor, Evan helps small companies double and sometimes even triple their bottom line. Welcome to the podcast, Evan.
1: Hey, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, so I know you have quite an interesting story, so why don't you start out by telling us where you grew up, how you started out, how you got to be doing what you're doing at such a young age.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, for sure. So I, you know, I, I grew up in the Atlanta area, um, kind of in the suburbs of Atlanta, as we would call it, OTP. So there's like inside the perimeter, ITP, and OTP outside the perimeter. So I grew up outside the perimeter, Atlanta, and I, you know, was the only child, uh, really, everything I could ever want and more. My dad was a business owner. He sold uh, imported diamonds from over, like in Israel, or whatever, and then would bring them in and sell them to different jewelry stores. My grandfather, my grandfather actually owned a jewelry store, so I always grew up in the entrepreneurialism, business, marketing space. <laughs> I remember going to the golf. I don't want to sound cliche here, but I remember going to the golf course and picking up, you know, lost golf balls and selling them back to the golfers and the lemonade stand. And my mom always laughed at me because I would always have some sort of, you know, adventure like this going on. Like, I'd always hire my other preteen friends to go mow lawns with me, you know what I mean? And I'd take a cut from it. So, anyway, that's always been a thing that I grew up and loved doing. And so, this is kind of a funny story, but, like, just to give me an example, one time when I was 14 years old, I was driving my mom's truck at the barn with her permission, granted, and off public property and I backed into a tree and I remember I like, pulled up to my mom and I was like mom I'm so sorry don't worry one day when I'm a successful entrepreneur I'll buy you in a truck it'll be fine and she was like all right whatever I don't know why she went with that but she I she was like we always knew you know like that was something I was gonna do so that's the start into business entrepreneurialism. Uh, I got my start in marketing because my grandfather took me aside and started to teach me about marketing that he was doing in his business. And he would tell me, Hey, we're doing this ad in a symphony. If you don't put this in there, people are not going to know how to contact you, et cetera. So that was interesting. And then I'm going to skip forward, which we can always go back. Um, But about four years ago, I decided to start caffeine and my dad had unfortunately passed away and my grandfather was about to retire. And so I thought, you know what? I can't help. Them anymore, but can't help other small business owners and entrepreneurs like them. And so that's why I decided to go through the process of starting caffeine marketing.
0: Right. So um, that's a great name. How did you come Thank up you. with caffeine marketing? <laughs>
1: well, as I sit here drinking my coffee, that might be part of the explanation. But I found that a lot of the entrepreneurs and business owners that I was working with or business leaders, say they're CMO or whatever, they're always, you know, it's, there's a lot of hard work in order to be successful. And I don't see, I've yet to find somebody that just like magically appeared and to be really successful. There's always a lot of behind the scenes stuff and caffeine and coffee is often the thing that helps fuel them and get them there. So I figured there was this affinity to caffeine that they would appreciate. So.
0: It's a totally clear message. I mean, totally clear. You, yeah. You hear the name and it's like, who wouldn't want marketing on caffeine? You know <laughs>
1: Yeah, totally. At one point I was gonna call, like I was gonna make our tagline, like we fuel business growth or something like that, but I just thought it was too jacky. I couldn't commit to it, so, but that's the idea.
0: No, 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 I, I love that. And um, so with Kevin Marketing, what do, you, what do you do actually?
1: Yeah, so the two things that we really specialize in is making profitable for small companies that are doing less than $25 million a year in revenue. And then in so doing that, we use a seven-part framework called Story Brand and it uses the seven principles of story in, and applies those to marketing so that customers actually listen to the marketing message and it cuts through the noise. Mm-hmm.
0: So when you say that, are you talking about like a company having a signature um story, like, oh, we started this business because or a charitable work, or what what do you mean by that?
1: Yeah. So Most companies, let's say that their end goal is to grow their bottom line and the process to get there is obviously creating a great product, having awesome customer service, but in order to scale their company, they need marketing that actually is profitable for them. Now, the actual nuts and bolts of the marketing might look like a new website. It might look like Facebook ads or Google ads or YouTube ads. Um, it might also look like some sort of lead generating PDF or guide on their website and a follow-up email series. We design all of that for the ground up for each of our, our clients because each each one's a little bit unique in their offering and their goals and whatnot. So, you know, the process to get there might depend on the client, but the end goal is to create some sort of digital marketing that's going to help them scale and grow their company and be really profitable.
0: Mm-hmm. And um, now I know you work with different sizes companies. You said small businesses, but up to 25 is not necessarily small (laughs) (laughs) when you're doing the marketing is important for someone to have a face of the business or not necessarily.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I think it depends on the company and it depends on the goals. If you, so I also work on, like I mentioned, or you mentioned in the investor side and as an investor, I don't necessarily, you know, it's not appealing to me if the owner is the you know, primary operator, and if they're the face of the brand, um, we can definitely work around that, and that's okay. But it's a really hard to make an exit from a company or to sell a company if the owner has to be involved. So if you look at it from that perspective, it's not always the most advantageous to have, you know, the, the person be the, the brand of the company. So from that perspective, it's not really a great thing. However, people relate better to people instead of brands. And so if you can have that person, I think it's awesome because people connect with, I mean, they connect with you um, instead of your company, you know? And so I I love that idea. As long as you're aware that it's going to be a little bit more difficult to sell, if that's a goal that you have one day, or if you just want to create a brand that you love and a business that's, you know, a great asset for you, then that's totally, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, it does. And so um, there's so much happening right now, small business people losing their small businesses with this pause or whatever you want to call what's happening in the world right now. Um, And so I know um, a lot of businesses might be up for sale soon. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe, you know, we can pull them out with marketing. (laughs) Um, But if someone wanted to create a great exit plan, let's say, you know, not even thinking Mm -hmm. about what's going on right now, let's say they're as they start a business and build a business, If they're expecting to, you know, get it growing and then actually sell it, how do they make that attractive to investors?
1: This is going to sound boring, but when you have great books and you do good bookkeeping, that's really helpful for us. So when we come in and we start looking at books, if we are able to, you know, see how much you're spending on Google ads or how much you're spending on Facebook or You know, how much are you paying your employees? All of that stuff, if you have that down in super detail, that's helpful for us because we know based off of our other assets or other partnerships, how much we think that we can get that number down to or how much we think we can increase the revenue because ultimately the goal is net profitability. So great books is a great starting point. Um, And often two to three years back is really helpful because whenever we're looking at taking a company on, generally, not always, we're going to try to sell it three years later or so, we're going to try to two to three X the growth and sell it. So it's really helpful to have existing books on that. Uh, Another thing, like I mentioned earlier, is to create systems and processes, and this is really hard for business owners. And so part of the value that my group provides is actually creating the systems and processes with the owner, but it is really appealing to the general investor. If you already have those systems and processes in place, because if you are the bottleneck, if a decision has to come to you before it gets approved, it's not, I would tell the business owner, you do not own a business, you own a job. And so mm-hmm. you can sell somebody else that job. Um, there's a lot of franchises out there that I really, this is not an anti-feeling against, but you know, from my understanding, my uneducated opinion here is that there are things like you know a UPS store, which is a franchise, but it doesn't look like you make enough there for that to be an asset. It looks like you own a job, if that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm. That does make sense. And um, when you go in and you're, you know, say you buy a company and you're um, assessing whether or not it actually can grow, are you using just marketing to grow that or you're going in and redoing the systems?
1: Yes. Yeah, so one of my partners is really good at systems, processes, and operations. So, you know, he will come in and basically systematize if it's a physical product, the warehousing, the inventory, the restocking, can we drop ship anything? He'll figure out all the, the back end stuff to increase net profitability and also make things more efficient because generally, when things are more efficient, you can either automate them or you can use less human hours to actually do that. So, that's one way to, to increase profitability. And when you're more profitable, you can add more money back into marketing. So, it's easier to scale if you have all the back end systems in place because. You get an economies of scale. If you've got multiple warehouses, it becomes cheaper to actually ship a product. You could buy more in bulk at a lower price. All that be said, marketing is not always the only thing that you could do. Um, but I think you need a better, you need a great foundation before you add marketing. So often when we come into these companies and we partner with them or whatever, we'll actually do a lot of back end stuff um, before we actually start adding front end marketing. You know, we need to do an inventory, we need to, you know, comb through all the products that we can't restock anymore. So I know that sounds kind of boring, but that stuff needs to be in place before we add marketing. And then often when people think about marketing, they think about Facebook ads or Google ads. But in reality, you need to build the bottom of the funnel first. And the very bottom of the funnel is the messaging and the branding. So the look and feel of the website and also what the website and the rest of your social and media assets say, because people ultimately buy things because of the words that they read. So doing those first, building the email series and the sequences in place, and then finally you add in advertising.
0: Got it. Wow. And then with um, many people going virtual, I have um, other friends who are entrepreneurs, and you know they're they're finding any way they can to go virtual right now. Um, how yeah. are you? How does that change the way you work with someone?
1: Well, it's interesting. Um, some stuff like you know, in the investment side, we oh let's go there um you have physical inventory so that we either have to hire you know buy space into a warehouse use our existing warehouse space etc i don't know that that's going to be where, like virtual work ever unless we just have robots that do everything which is <laughs> you know, that would be cool mm-hmm. um but the flip side is caffeine we're already we've we've been remote the entire time and so 99 percent of our clients we all meet via zoom anyway so this hasn't changed as far as much of our operational rhythm there's sometimes that I might go out and like speak somewhere or present, like make a presentation to a a board or something like that. But yeah, not much has changed as far as operational rhythms for us being remote.
0: Mm -hmm. So, um, I know you help other people with their messaging and everything. So how did you, um, how do you do your messaging? What's your message? (laughs) <laughs> well it comes
1: that's great yeah and most people have what's the, called the curse of knowledge and so my i always try to continue to go back over my own messaging and marketing material because we all have the curse of knowledge which just simply means we're an expert in our own field and so when we try to dumb that down and talk to the consumer not that the consumer is dumb but the consumer makes buying decisions at a level one and two when we're communicating typically in our day-to-day space at like a nine or a ten and we know that we have to dumb it down. And so we try to communicate at a really simple level, but often it's like a five or a six. So I have to always go back and, you know, my wife is a great, uh, she's a great person to give me feedback because she doesn't love business. She's very much not interested in it. So if I put something out as far as our own marketing, I run it by her and she'll be like, what does this mean? Are people, do you expect people to know what this means? And I'm like, I guess not. If you don't know what it means, then I probably need to resay it. So Let's just say this instead. She's like, well, then why don't you just say that? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know why I said that. So <laughs> I filter. She's how I get our messaging. Right.
0: Oh, oh, that, that, that's a great tip. You know, find somebody who doesn't know your business and ask them if they know what it means. Mm-hmm. Cause yeah, it's so easy to sit, get into the speak of things because I'm an optometrist. So, you know, I'm not going to sit there and tell people, okay, well you have such and such a something I'm going to like, Explain it. Well, your eyelids are doing this. <laughs> you're going to make yeah. it simple so they can understand what's going on.
1: Right. Oh. Yeah. It's almost like, um, it helps. I think, you know, in the doctor space, whenever we've had interactions with doctors and whatnot, uh, I always appreciate it because I know that you're way smarter than me. I know you could use all kinds of terms that I would never understand, but if you can communicate to me in a way that I understand, it's going to make me feel better. Give me a sense of ease, so it's great.
0: Exactly, and clarity is so important for communication and affinity, and just connecting with people. Because if you don't feel connected to your doctor or your audience, mm-hmm. then they're not going to buy from you, or they're not going to continue to come to you for their health.
1: Yeah, and whenever we were talking just like when you're listening to this podcast, your brain is having to burn calories in order to understand what's going on. And so all of those calories that your brain is burning. So at some point your brain decides, Oh, it's just too much calories. I just, this is too much. I can't listen to this anymore. And often that point comes when people are confusing or they're not saying things in a way that you can understand how it's going to make your life better. Mm-hmm. So whenever we're communicating with our marketing messaging, we need to always be painting a picture of success and letting them know how their lives are gonna be better after on the other side of working with us or after a procedure, something like that. And we also need to let them know what's at risk if they don't work with us. So what, what's gonna happen if they don't buy our product or service? It's not a fear mongling thing, it's just simply making them aware, here's the risk if you don't buy our product or service.
0: Exactly, and aware- awareness is so important in every aspect of life because people don't know what they don't know or they don't know what they're missing paper. be yeah. missing
1: something that could help them. Totally. And you know, you might have the most amazing product out there or service, but if people aren't aware of your product or service, then they won't buy it. And so for most small business owners, you know, 99% of them need help in the consideration category of the brand awareness, consideration, conversion part of the marketing funnel. So just the three steps of the marketing funnel, but all of them have a brand awareness problem because they're not Coca-Cola. They're not Apple. They're not just Justin Bieber. Not everybody's heard about their product or service, so they won't buy it. They've not heard of you. They can't buy your product or service.
0: So talk a little bit about credibility.
1: Well, when you say that the thing that comes in my mind or the language that we would use when we're creating messaging is establishing yourself as the guide. So ever we're creating marketing messaging, the mistake that most companies make is playing the hero of the story, and most consumers are not looking for another hero. They're not looking for you know another you know protagonist of the story. They're looking for someone to help them win the day. They're looking for a Yoda from Star Wars or a hey Mitch from The Hunger Games. Somebody that's been there, done that, and can help them win the day. So if we go in with that perspective, we can now think, okay, how do I position our, you know, our company as the guide here? How do we give that authority in this space? And you do that by demonstrating uh, empathy, also authority and empathy. Just very simply is, Hey, I've, I've been there. I get that feeling. The key, excuse me, is not to say, Hey, we currently struggle with that too. Like if I came in and I was like, man, we struggle with marketing. It's so tough you'd be like, well, I'm not going to have you help with our marketing. But if I said, Hey, I get it. I've seen my parents experience that before. When we first started, when I first started my first company, marketing was difficult and I decided, you know what? I have to solve this problem for business owners. It's saying, Hey, I get there. I've been, I've been there. I felt that, but ultimately not there anymore. And then the flip side is authority and ways that you can demonstrate your authority are through testimonials. Uh, Also you could add, one of my favorites is adding logos on your website of people that you've worked with, that's a great example. Um, video testimonials are great as well. Credentials, professional licenses, all those are great authority builders. Yeah,
0: yeah. so um, I've heard different things on this as far as which platforms to be on, as far as social media marketing. Some people say, well, just be on the one that's most of your customers are on. But then I've heard other people say, well, you should just be on all of them. And I'm telling you, even with this, this podcast and keeping up, trying to post each thing on every one is exhausting.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So what's your answer to that? How should we be on one? Should we just concentrate on one or should we be on all of them?
1: I think the, this is my two cents. The day is gone where you can become instant famous or Twitter famous or gain a huge following on Facebook very quickly. And so while I think that you still need to have a presence and a very professional, clean and polished presence on these various different websites or social media platforms, I don't know that they're going to be the thing that ultimately grows your company. And if we go back to, and again, there's a great example of this. My, uh, my wife is on TikTok. I, I can't I, because I just become immediately addicted to it. So I can't have it. <laughs> I've forbidden myself from being on there. I waste too much time. But she'll watch like these different veterinarians or doctors talk about these different things and she finds it super interesting. And so that is a great way that they've just immediately built this audience that then they can later sell to. So TikTok might be an opportunity for this or some other emerging platform, but I don't know that you know all these other stuff like LinkedIn, I think you should post on there for sure but it's not the end of the world if you only post once a week versus four times a week. That's my perspective. And the reason why is because if you understand those three categories that we were talking about earlier, brand awareness, consideration, and conversion, most of the people that are currently following you most fit into that consideration phase. They've seen something from you before. They're considering working with you, but they're not quite ready yet. So it's important to maintain that relationship. But if you post you know, four times versus one time a week. I don't know that it makes that much more of a difference.
0: Okay. Well that helps. And I wanted to go back to, cause you know, I'm a, a doctor. So let's say I wanted to set up my business so that um, it's saleable. So almost always the doctor is like the the, the, <laughs> the center of everything. If the doctor leaves is yeah. gone and you know, I, you know, I've had, had times where you know you're hiring other doctors, but yeah, it's still down to the head doctor.
1: Yep, totally. How do
0: you set that up so that it would be salable.
1: So, I, you know, this topic has come up a few times um, in conversations. So, I don't have a perfect answer for you, but I know that if you can automate everything besides what that one person does in that role. Um, you're going to be way better off because if you're a receptionist, your emails, um, your, you know, intake forms, everything is automated and has a system and a process that's written down and documented. You're basically, you're pulling out one person and replacing it with another. So then it would be a lot easier to sell that to another doctor one day. So there's, that would be an easy transition for them because you've got all the hard work already done. But if you were turning around and going, Hey, I don't, um, you know, we want to sell it to a non-doctor because then that would, broaden your audience a lot. I think a lot of what you can do comes down to empowering other people to make decisions. Now there's some, probably some medical proceed, like, uh, you know, procedures that you have to follow as far as like approval and liability and all that stuff. That's what I'm talking about. What I'm thinking of is the day-to-day decisions that you can empower other people to make. So if you can important to them, the way that you think, the way that you see and ultimately get them thinking the same process that you think, that's going to be really easy to then, you know, pull you out of the equation and slowly do that over time. So say you, a great way to, there's this guy named Mike McAllowitz. He wrote this book um, called Clockwork. And what he says is, Hey, 12 months from now, you need to go ahead and book yourself a four week vacation. Just go ahead and book it. Now that you have that on the calendar, you need to make sure that you have the systems and processes in place that your business does not fall apart by the time you get there. So that would probably be a great practice for all the uh, the doctors out here is Put that vacation on on the calendar and don't compromise. And create all the systems and processes and empower other people to make decisions.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that makes sense to me. And um, in my industry, I'm an optometrist. So in my industry, um, there's a company that's coming in and they're basically rolling up all the practices of the older practitioners or people who just don't want to be the business person. And that's what they're doing. They're putting systems in they're allowing the doctor to stay or go but they're mm-hmm. putting systems in that work every time
1: yep and that i mean that's a great value that they bring and i'm i not i don't have personal firsthand experience with this but it would make sense to me is if a doctor would partner with somebody with business experience who could create all these systems and processes because my guess is a doctor probably got into this to earn a, a you know a great living and also help people and so if you can remove them from the business day to day stuff, as long as they're still informed and a part of it, I feel like a doctor would be a lot happier doing that, you know, cause it's, it could be a burden. They didn't sign up to do all the finance and accounting and all, all that jazz. So.
0: Exactly. And we're not taught any of that in school. Not a yeah. bit, Not a little bit, nothing. Mm-hmm. We're only taught how to be really great doctors.
1: Yeah.
0: You know? So that would
1: make sense to me, you know, but I'm sure that there's also an element of, um, I don't know what the right word is here, but it scarcity is the first thing that comes to mind, but it's like a fear. It's like, Oh, they don't get it. Well, they don't, they wouldn't understand it. So they can't possibly, I couldn't partner with them cause they don't understand it. But I thought it would be, it'd be a great idea. Cause if you can bring in somebody who's got the enterprise experience of scaling and growing companies and you can bring them into the doctor space, golly, that would, you could crush it there. Mm-hmm. That's my thought
0: yeah thanks so we were talking before the um, podcast started um, a little bit about um, life history and what things have you learned through some of the hard times in your life
1: golly um it was interesting as we were talking earlier it was like man we've we've gone through a lot of really hard stuff and sometimes we kind of forget about it mm-hmm. i and i'm happy to hit on any of those but that i'll just kind of skip through some as a high level, but like, you know, my my I lost my dad, um, and which some people have gone through grief as, as well. Um, I also lost my stepdad. Um, before my dad died, he didn't die from this, but uh, he was a narcotic for some like, pretty crucial years of my life. So like, through high school, he relapsed and started doing drugs again, and we lost everything, everything got foreclosed on. Um, like, literally remember like the pink slip or whatever the thing is on my house, in uh, being evicted out of our house, and I remember having to clean my dad's house out because he had gone to jail, and they were foreclosing on his property, and so uh, all kinds of ridiculousness. Um, and even when we talk about the doctor, I remember going to the dentist office, and my mom did a really good job. Well, I, he, she wasn't perfect in the whole scenario as well, uh, which we no one ever is, but uh you know she was doing the best to keep us in that home so i could finish out that that particular school year and she was also you know doing the best that she could not to invoke fear because you know we were living you know i want to say above our means or whatever the right word is here for we couldn't afford where we were living but during that whole season she didn't have a panicky thing or at least she didn't try to come out you know put that on me but i could still as a 16 year old i could see what's going on i could see that you know we're losing everything. Dad's selling things for drugs. Um, all the stuff about the bank and all that jazz. And so I remember going to the dentist office and having a cavity and I started crying because I was worried about how much that was going to cost my mom. Mm. And I was worried we didn't have enough to pay for it. And then I remember them saying, Hey, do you want like, you know, gas or whatever, like, or laughing gas or whatever the drug was that they were going to give me. And I remember asking, well, how much does that cost? They were like, uh, I think it like with your insurance is like $200 which for like a 16-year-old to ask that feels kind of weird. And I don't even think I was 16 because I couldn't drive. So I was 15. And I just remember like being like, no, like I just give me the whatever the other one is because I just was so worried about us not having enough. And so during all that whole season, I feel like some stuff that I learned was to have an internal locus of control. And at some point I decided, uh, you know what? Uh, I can't change what my dad's doing. That's beyond my control, but I can control me. And I don't want to end up like that. And so I want to make better, wiser decisions than he's making. Also during that season, my faith became really important to me and my relationship with God. Um, so that was really cool. There was like a benefit of that. So you got the internal locus of control, you got the faith thing, um, and then probably resiliency as well and forgiveness. I think that was one of the hardest things for me. I don't want to you know, get too far into this if, if it makes me uncomfortable. But when my dad would not show up for a sporting event, when my dad would not go to a thing with me or whatever, because he would be doing drugs. Um, I remember I was praying in the moment and I felt like I was praying to God and I was like, Hey, I just, my dad does not deserve my forgiveness. And I'm not really like had like an audible voice of God, that whole thing. But I just felt as clear as day in my heart. I felt like he said back to me, you didn't deserve my forgiveness either, but I gave it to you anyway. And so that really started the process for trying to forgive my dad and love him as best I could in a safe way. Um so that's just a handful of things that come that come to mind-
0: mm-hmm. yeah, and um let's talk more about that internal locus or just from within, so um, mm-hmm. how does that help you in life and in general in your day to day life of being internally focused?
1: yeah, and i you know, I feel like if anywhere it's it's very trained in my heart now to have that. So it's a thing that I've developed over time, which I'm still definitely not perfect at, but it really helps because if I come into a scenario and let's just say we're working with we're we're thinking about working with a client and all of a sudden that proposal drops, I I can control how I respond to that situation. Or say a client, excuse me, doesn't pay an invoice on time. I can decide how I respond to that. Mm-hmm. I don't have to, you know, it's that's on me, not on them. So that sort of stuff it really helps in the day to day of the business. But it also helps at home, just like if my son, he's a nine month old, if he's freaking out and he's making all kinds of noises, um, I can choose to get angry in that moment or I can choose to be compassionate and patient, which is not my first gifting. So I think it helps at home and in person
0: for sure. Nice. And then you talked about your Christian faith. And I know in your bio, you said you were doing some missionary work. You want to talk about that?
1: Yeah, so I decided to kind of do a um, different approach to most people, I guess, is I was graduating high school and my my high school had a 99% go to college rate or whatever that is. So like 99% of my school, everyone who graduated, which it was like super crazy high graduation rate, and then all of this went to college. And so... I was like one of four people out of my school. My graduating class is like 700 or 600 that did not immediately go to college. And I remember a principal sitting me down and going, Evan, you know, because he had actually been our principal in middle school as well. And so he's like, Evan, what's the deal? You know, like your grades are fine. Like you could totally go to college. I was like, I know. I just, I feel like this is the best time for me to go like serve other people and go to like a different country and go, Share my faith with people and serve other people and partner alongside other nonprofits. So I was probably not that articulate as a 17 or 18 year old, but that's what I was thinking. And I just went over to join an organization called YWAM. It's called the it Students of Youth with the Mission, and we basically partnered with existing nonprofits to serve in these local communities. I went to Australia and lived there for a little bit, and then went to Thailand and lived there for a little bit, um, and eventually joined their university program in Colorado, which was a little bit later on. So, but that was really impactful for me because I was exposed to just some crazy extreme poverty and I just completely shift your worldview at that point. And also in cre- like incredible people, incredible people who give their lives to serve other people. And it makes you go, golly, if a proposal doesn't go through, that just, or something doesn't work out, it really does not matter that much in retrospect.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you had that, to focus on and to actually compare for a lot of people who mm-hmm. they stay where they live and they never even go out of their state. Some people, they don't know how it is for other people.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I had, um, this is, this is only slightly graphic. So it's not too bad, but when we were walking through the streets of Thailand, we were like, it was like a Saturday or something. And we were like, Hey, we're going to go to like a local Mart. And so we go, to the shopping mall or whatever. So we're walking down the streets and the entire street, entire street, as far as we could see is lined with people who are all homeless or some version of that have some sort of disability all down the street, which was crazy. And I I couldn't wrap my mind around it. And I felt like I wanted to just like cry and just like in shock. And then we're walking up the stairs and I remember I, this is not going to get too bad, but I smelled something and I was like, what in the world? And I looked over and a man was like laying on the ground um and his skin was like rotted from the outside. Like most of his skin, he had no nose, he has no hat, like no eye. It was just crazy. And I almost passed out in that moment. And I just remember thinking, I not not to say that my problems aren't valid, because there's totally I you don't ignore your problems because of that, but it's really hard to complain about having to get up and work hard when that's somebody else's life. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It definitely changed stuff for me and helped me be grateful. And also, you know, shifted my faith and I think strengthened my faith in a lot of ways. So,
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That, that would be kind of shocking to see that. <laughs> That'd be really shocking. Yeah.
1: It was definitely, um, it was definitely wild. And it was, you know, it's very interesting for anybody who's done anything similar to this. Most people experience what's called reverse culture, culture shock when they get back. So I went over there, there was the initial culture shock of like, what in the world's going on? Your brain is trying to process the new normal. And then when you get back, you're just like walking into a, a Kroger. And the next thing you know, you're crying uncontrollably and you don't know why. It's the craziest thing. And you're like, I'm like looking at my mom and I'm like, mom, I'm, I'm fine, I'm okay. But like, I can't stop crying. Because it's, it's hard to see an abundance of resources like that when you see people who are just have nothing. So.
0: Wow. So in the travels that you've done so far, do you have a favorite destination or something that you just really loved or you think, Oh, when I retire, I might go back there or anything like that.
1: (laughs) Well, I really loved it. This is, this is the flip side of this is I really love to ski. And so I would love to live on some ski mountain, like the Swiss Alps or in Vail, Colorado, something like that to go ski as much as I want. Um, But I also really enjoyed uh Cheng ching Rai when i was there it was just a really simple way of life and you didn't have wi-fi you would just wake up and go serve at this local you know this local church and it was beautiful i mean the environment was beautiful the relationships were beautiful you just weren't distracted by everyday stuff and i really loved
0: that mm-hmm. nice And um, I was just curious, um, how did you meet your wife? Was she in mission work too or?
1: (laughs) Uh, Not necessarily. She's done a few like what we call short term trips. She's just gone for two weeks or whatever to like, you know, some other country or whatever, which is a great experience for her for sure. But we met in Colorado. I was an intern at this church out there and I remember, she this is, I mean, it's kind of funny. She dated a friend of mine for like a month and about a year later, she had come back to the church that we were, you know, that we, we had all met at or whatever. And I remember asking, and I was like, Hey man, um, what are the chances I could go ask Missy out? And he was like, Oh dude, she's great. He's like, I just thought it was so weird that she was a vegetarian. I couldn't get over it. And I was like, all right, great. That's the worst thing I can, I can handle that. So anyway, I decided to ask her out and it was, it's been, it's been
0: great ever since. Mm-hmm. wonderful and you have, have how many kids you have one two
1: we have one yeah. his name is titan and he's nine months old so
0: yeah yeah a lot of excitement in your house right now
1: <laughs> a lot of excitement <laughs> a lot of noise and keeping him from pulling over plants so or yeah. getting in dog balls
0: yeah it, it's so fun i actually have a granddaughter living with me right now and she's about oh, wow. enough, and she climbs everything
1: Uh, yeah i'm sure
0: (laughs) so it's it's fun you'll enjoy it you'll you'll enjoy that fatherhood time
1: yeah we're we we really do it can be hard sometimes but he's a a great kid so far so we're super thankful
0: wonderful and what would you say has given you the most joy and happiness in your life
1: Hmm. uh it really probably has to be my relationship with god um I feel like it has given me a depth and connection and a peace that goes beyond day to day. And even, even beyond my, you know, relationship with my wife, which, you know, she's amazing. And so is my family, but yeah, I feel like knowing that there's this unconditional love and that someone was just, you know, so willing to have a relationship with me, they are willing to die for me. That just means so much to me. And I don't, I definitely don't get it perfect every day in that relationship, but I'm just so thankful for the grace and the love and the the guidance there because ultimately when my dad was kind of out of the picture, I had a perfectly heavenly heavenly father who was there to care for me. So
0: beautiful. Yes. So, um, we've talked about several things. I kind of like to go back to the business part now. Yeah. And, um, if you could tell people kind of tell them like where to find you, what services you have and what you have to offer. So it's kind of all together in this one little slot of time.
1: <laughs> yeah. So the easiest way to get in contact or work with us would be to go to caffeine.marketing, not com, just caffeine.marketing or evannox.com. And I've got a free guide on how to build a winning sales funnel on there. And it will literally step-by-step step, like building Lego, like a Lego kit. It will teach you how to build that sales funnel so that your marketing is profitable. So that's a free thing. Um, it's also got a couple of keynotes in there that you have access to once you sign up for the PDF. But as far as the services that we provide is again, it's helping small business owners make marketing profitable. And that's a bolt of that might be changing your messaging, building a website, doing paid advertising, but we'll help you design that from our first meeting really.
0: All right. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast and just sharing your heart and sharing your knowledge. I so appreciate you.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast to hang out with you, so thank you.
0: Yeah, and before we get off, any last words of advice on how to create an incredible, extraordinary life?
1: I think it ultimately comes down to that thing that I mentioned earlier, which is that uh, internal locus of control and then also keeping a picture of what matters 100 years from now. And so if what matters 100 years from now for you is legacy, then you'll, you know, that's, that could be really motivating, but for me, it's my faith. And so if I can keep a, a big view picture of going, Hey, a hundred years from now, I'm going to, my perspective, I'm going to be with Jesus and I'm going to have a family that I'm going to leave behind. I want to set them up for, set them up well financially as well as with values. And then I want to live a life that was, you know, positive and makes a difference. So.
0: All right. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. And we'll talk to you again soon.
1: All right. Sounds great. Thank you.